This is No Chuck Flick Moments, and I am your co-host, Remy. And I'm your other co-host, B. And I don't know how much of this intro is going to make it into the final cut, but let me tell you, we're ready to go. We're ready to roll, <laughs> man. I am sleep-deprived. You are slightly buzzed. This is a <laughs> great day. Remy, what are we talking about today? It's Friday night, and today... We, I don't know why I call it out the day of the week. I mean, that's just how we roll now. But we are... Whatever. (laughs) When you're listening to this, it is... It can be any day of the week. But tonight, we are talking about the last couple of weeks of Supernatural news. And uh, those things include... They include, um, about a week ago, I think, Sarah Gamble had on her YouTube page another writer Q&A. She's had a bunch in this series so far. But last week there was the I Couldn't Be Happier Q&A with Eric Kripke. And they had a half-hour conversation posted and um, talked kind of about the business and about what it was like in the early seasons of Supernatural and kind of when Kripke knew it was time for him to go and also about like general insecurities as a writer and the kind of processes you have to take faith in. So that was a thing that happened. I, yeah, I I saw a few um, quotes from that, from that talk and it was a, um, uh, oh i i I, okay full disclosure i did just click click on the link that you sent and i now see that it was a youtube video when i assumed it was an article so (laughs) i I had a couple of seconds of catch up there but uh yeah no i did see a a few quotes from uh that talk and uh it seemed pretty interesting i am now looking forward to, to to watching this video it was uh eric kripke and uh sarah gamble but i i i I, I, I'm drawing a blank. What was Sarah Gamble's role in the series, and when was she? When did she leave? So she was a writer in the early seasons, and then when Kripke was bowing out in season six, she stepped up as showrunner. Mm. And so she was showrunner for season six and season seven, I believe, and then that got changed again around season eight. And now she's working on you and the magicians. And so she's got her own shows and she's talking about them. Eric's talking about his new projects too. But then they're also kind of sharing that history together and then talking about their kind of common experiences in breaking into being a television writer. Right, right. And and uh, also their current projects because they've both moved on to, to other... I was gonna say other mm-hmm. bigger things, but I mean, come on, come on, Supernatural. Yeah, it's hard to be bigger than Supernatural, <laughs> but no, they're very, they're very accomplished, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that would be a very interesting conversation. Yeah, yes, and it was. 
And speaking of interesting conversations, over the past couple of weeks, uh, Misha has continued to use his platform to uh, have some panel talks, both uh, on politics and social issues, continuing those conversations. And just last week, he uh, had a panel on reforming the the criminal justice system, and his guests were Tawana Nobles and Congressional Senator Manka Dingra, and they, again, are continuing conversations on uh, uh, these these racial justice issues that are uh, up in the forefront of current American politics. Yes, so giving a good spotlight to these important causes. Mm-hmm. Both are very interesting watches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm being like, yes, but I'm Canadian and <laughs> I'll take from it, like, definitely, like, please, God, do the right thing in American politics and also, like, what things could be applicable to Canada as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, but, you know, it, as as an American or any Americans listening, it's, uh, it, uh, I have, I can probably honestly say that I have been more engaged uh, this past uh, couple of years that, than uh, I ever have been before, just because we've seen so much change and, honestly, turmoil over the past uh, few years. Yeah, so. no kidding. So getting engaged and staying engaged is hard, but I, it's it's honestly just fascinating, and you know, yeah, learning more shines a lot of lights on a lot of different things. Yeah, and like as you learn more, you know to do more mm-hmm. and become more involved, like Misha's doing here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, something else that happened was it was Jared's birthday and there was a lot of great pictures and other cast members writing to him with celebrations. I think there was a really good exchange that was going on between Misha and (laughs) um, Richard Spate Jr. giving Jared a hard time for his beard and being like, if I run my fingers through it, I'll like find food for my stew, you know? (laughs) Oh no. Just him and Jared going back and forth to each other. Oh my God, it was great. <laughs> I, I I saw some of those too. I saw some of those tweets. There was, you know, there's always there there's always there's always so much uh, uh, love between the cast members, and anytime that they start engaging each other or, or heckling each other, it's always fun. Yes, love it when they kind of talk shit at each other and <laughs> then show the affection near the end. Jared's birthday. It's not May. May second. Hey, hey. 19- Sam's birthday. Eighty. Eight? You don't know? <laughs> 80, 87? Uh, uh, guys. Who, whose birthday are you trying to place? That, Sam's Sam, birthday? Sam's birthday. Sam's birthday. 83. What May. the fuck? You think that he's practically a 90s kid? Oh, God. You're right. You're right. Well, see. Okay. Here's, here was the thing. Here was the thing. I thought that Dean was 83. So 1983 oh. was in my mind. So I was like, okay, so four years from there. But wait, that's... that. Uh, and and in typical Remy fashion, like had it accurate, have to put it at one off. So what's uh eighty three was right? Four? We can't accept it. <laughs> May second, okay, I know that much. Yes, yes. 
but happy birthday, Jared. I know you're not actually yes. Sam Winchester. Yes, and we know you're probably not listening. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing wow. on the docket. Wow. This weekend. Hey, I can segue. This weekend was Comic-Con. San Diego Comic-Con 2020. And so what they're doing instead is they're doing a Comic-Con at home. And it turns out on Sunday, there's actually going to be a Supernatural panel. And there's going to be some of the cast, um, Rachel Miner, Ruth Connell, Lauren Tom. Um, we have Melanie from season 14, The Werewolf. We have Kenny from The Ghost Facers. And we also have some psychologists that are talking about, like, always keep fighting and sort of the greater process of mental health and taking care of ourselves as the show ends. I feel <laughs> like they put these two things together knowing like the fragility that will be caused by 15 years of a show coming to an end. Oh, yeah. Uh, looking at the panelists for that talk, it's like, come join these three psychiatrists plus some supernatural people. I don't know. It's fine. But, mm-hmm. but, but let these psychiatrists give you some advice. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Rachel's going to be a great member on there because she, you can see, does a lot of internal work and, like, outward expressing with people of, like, how to maintain optimism, how to keep that fight that and that struggle moving forward in a healthy way. And it should be really interesting to see Ruth and Lauren there, too, among others. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ruth and... Um, no, not Ruth. Yeah, yeah, Ruth. Um, Ruth and Rachel, uh, uh, have both talked about mental health, uh, especially Rachel, obviously, but, um, that is going to be Sunday, July 26th, Supernatural Therapy. Yep. At four o'clock San Diego time. Mm -hmm. What is it about cats and rubber bands? Like... Does your cat be like, rubber band, gotta eat it? I, no joke, that's so funny that you say that, because just today I wrestled a rubber band away from the cat. She was up on the kitchen counter, as one does, obviously. Where else would she be? <laughs> and Has to be tall. Uh, we, had, we had just unpacked some asparagus, and she... Uh, yeah, she she grabbed that rubber band and I saw her chewing on it and I'm like, no, no, we're gonna just take that out of the mouth right there. Yeah, we don't do that because uh, you know I don't I don't know for sure that something bad would happen if she actually swallowed it, but let's not let's not tempt fate on that one. Yeah, yeah, we don't encourage that. I can feel like there would be a gastric obstruction of some sort that could possibly take place. <laughs> I just brought it up now because I have, like, a cable beside me that is all bundled together and then held with a rubber band. And my cat rose like a zombie from deep slumber, started sniffing around until it found the rubber band, and then he started trying to chew on it. I was like, the fuck? You were sleeping. Why was this an (laughs) impulse? Anyways. I'm glad to know that it is... Potentially a universal subject, but has at least two members in it, so (laughs) my cat's not alone. Hmm. 
And that that is uh, our supernatural updates for the week. I do have one other thing to bring up, and that is Gish, because. <laughs> because mm, yes yeah yeah because two weeks ago and i caught this myself so i i was like i the second i posted uh uh the podcast i was like oh wait did i do that right anyways last <laughs> week uh our last uh, two weeks ago when we released our last episode um i mentioned uh that gish was uh coming to a close we were in the last couple of weeks of this year's gish uh the hunt was wrapping up uh but uh but i got my wires crossed a little bit because in actuality it was the registration for gish the open registration for gish was in its last couple of weeks as we are speaking now uh the open registration is in its final hours but uh, uh the registration closes today and the actual gish hunt uh is is taking place from August 1st through August 8th 2020. So uh registration is closing but the the actual hunt is still to come. Yes, the game is about to begin. Yes, yes. So check those boxes. Mhm. Oh, and one other thing I just thought of um, Samantha Smith, she's getting her treatments for breast cancer, and she's been keeping her social media updated, including the fact that she was getting treated inside of one of those, like, pressurized tubes. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what it's called, but it basically looks like something out of the beginning of the fifth element. And she's, like, in it, giving thumbs up and, like, keeping really high spirits as she's going through her treatments here. So hopefully things will continue going well for her. Don't don't you watch Grey's Anatomy B? It's like the height of technology, atmospheric uh, control stuff. These are things you're making up right now. I saw as far as season three when there was a drowning storyline and uh, amnesia storyline, and I was like, I don't think I could take this. <laughs> I definitely do want to catch up, but I am so many seasons behind, like 13 seasons behind at this point. Yeah, yeah. I I, I keep up. I keep up. Uh, My husband dropped off around season 10 because he said that every episode made him cry, so he wasn't all... Yeah. (laughs) He was was like, it's just sad, okay? I can only watch so many elderly couples, like, struggle through... It's the week to week, you know. It's the it's the uh, humans. The highs and the lows, that... the the laughter and the tears that they wring from you every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. But yeah, um, are you know. Um, very glad that Samantha is getting treated that her she's doing well given her cancer and that uh you know I we I hope for the best for her yes best wishes mm-hmm. so B I I think I promised you something last week <laughs> and the week before and the week, and the week, before. week before and I have I have book I have books. <laughs> and what I promised is that we were going to be talking about your quarantine books because I I kept I kept cuckolding you on that. 
Well, it was more like neither one of us would remember until the very last second. And we're like, <laughs> well, we haven't done it so far, so we could just keep on delay. <laughs> but yeah, I have four pandemic books that I've read. Um, they all feature like a pandemic in some way, but they um, tend to be on the more optimistic side of things or take it more in an intriguing fashion than just... And everything sucks, and that's what the message we're taking from this is. So, I didn't know. Should I go through it in any particular order? Should I be reading blurbs? What? How How should I do this? I, uh, you know, I really want to hear about them. Uh, I've been hearing about them for the past month, so I want to know now. <laughs> we, uh... Tell us, give us your elevator pitch on how you felt reading it, but uh, I am all down for blurbs, too. Give me the virtual tour. All right. So I think I will do them in most recently read to oldest read, and that kind of will be the... We're not going to be doing it in any rank style. We're going to do it chronologically read. So the most recent one that I read is called Moon of the Crusted Snow, and it is by Canadian writer Wabgishik Rice. And this one was actually set on one of the northern um, First Nations um, reservations in Ontario, although it doesn't say specifically Ontario, I'm going to assume it is. And basically, as winter is looming, the Anishinaabe community goes dark, and so they don't have any communications with the outside world, and it's hard for them to tell whether this is, you know, situation normal, everything's fucked up, or if it's something greater. But then there is um, unexpected visitors who show up, and they get an idea of the crumbling society that's going on to the south. And then there is also, what I really liked about this one was getting the insight into the Northern communities from, like, a First Nations perspective. Mm -hmm. And also having kind of the specter of the Wendigo being carried through this foreboding feeling of winter coming and, like, will we have enough supplies? Will we be able to get everyone through it? Like... That whole kind of sense that was being carried through it was nicely balanced with the, no, we're looking out for each other, we're going to make it, we're going to do our best. And even as things become really tough, you can also just feel that spirit of, if we work together, we can get through things. Mm -hmm. So that was the one I finished most recently. The one that came before that is called Station Eleven, and it is by Emily St. John Mandel. And this one, um, it starts out on this one evening in Toronto where a famous Hollywood actor dies on stage during a production of King Lear. And from there, we follow a bunch of different characters that are related to his life in some way. So um, the little girl that was in the production, we follow her 20 years into the pandemic um, she's traveling with a troupe of actors and they're going from community to community in their own little route around northeastern United States and putting on these plays. And they come across a community that feels kind of unsettled 
it wasn't the way that it was a year ago when they left off one of their troop members there. And um, we also follow the paramedic who tried to treat the actor that night when he passed away and sort of where he ends up in 20 years. We follow his first wife and their relationship kind of when they got together and what she ends up like in the pandemic. And then also his best friend. And it's just really interesting how you have all of these diverse characters who never spoke to each other necessarily. They just talked with Arthur, the actor, Mm -hmm. and yet their paths cross in these really curious ways in the story. And it's, it is so wonderfully written. You kind of love all the characters, you understand them all, and it's just beautifully woven together, all these different times, people, and places, all making a satisfying story in the end. And, and B, you said this one was fiction, but it was, uh, I may have missed it, the the first book, that, the previous book, was that nonfiction or was that also fiction? No, they're all fiction here. Oh, okay. So the first one, it doesn't really state whether it was a pandemic or what caused kind of the breakdown of society, but it's very bottleneck in the fashion that it stays within the Anishinaabe community in the North. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those two were Moon of the Crusted Snow by Wabgishik Rice and Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mendel. Um, the third, or I guess the second one that I read back in the day is called The Lightest Object in the Universe by Kimmy Izell. And this one, basically, the first chapter is like a couple pages long and it's like, okay, here's all the shit that happened to the Earth. Let's just embrace it. Go. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it's the traditional society collapsed because of disease, because of global warming, because of all of the blah, blah, blahs. And it follows the story of these two friends who are kind of on opposite sides of the continent at the time that shit goes down and how they are each dealing with it in their own fashion. So like Beatrix, she is in one place. She is normally someone who is globetrotting. She's an activist. And now she's kind of stuck in one place and she decides that what she is going to be an activist for is her community and helping build it, um, trying to keep people wanting to stay, wanting to take care of each other and not follow the lure of this cult that is essentially setting up in the Midwest of this guy that's like, no, we got food, we got energy, we got everything that you would need. You can come out and live with us. And people just keep getting drawn away by that. And it's like, no, stay here, build your community and you'll have those things too. And then her friend, do I fucking remember his name? (laughs) I would never. Carson. He is, again, they're split across the continent. And so he decides that he's going to set out on foot and find Beatrix. And so his journey is kind of taking the narrow path through the country, just the different characters he's running across, how they are handling things. And this post-apocalypse environment where, again, people are wary, but they're also looking out for each other. And it's just... It's another really sweet one. You get that real sense of 
protecting your communities and taking care of each other is where the strength lies, not the every man for himself kind of narrative we tend to get with apocalyptic stories. Mm -hmm. So The Lightest Object in the Universe by Kimmy Eisel. And then my last one here is called Doomsday Book by Connie Willis. And I love this book so much. It was the winner of the Hugo and Nebula Awards. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's heartwarming. (laughs) Um, It is set in a future 21st century, blah, blah, pick your date that requires (laughs) the technology, you know? And it's following a grad student named Kriverin who is preparing for an on-site study in one of the deadliest eras of human history. And so she is planning on time traveling to the 1300s, early 1300s, to do sort of an anthropological survey of England at that time. That's exactly um, what I would want to do as a grad student risk my I, I, please tell me there was a vaccine at that point she had like absolutely you know, she had her malaria absolutely. shot okay. she's inoculated against everything okay <laughs> and so she and her grad group they're preparing it so it's basically like we'll dump you off in this time you just have to come back to the same area after so many days we'll pick you up from it too but the twist is, is that the guy who is operating the machine at the time, he's not feeling super great, you know, headaches, fever, chill, all that kind of stuff. And he slightly fucks up the date. And so rather than coming like a couple decades in advance of the bubonic plague, she arrives right near the start and the thick of it. Oof. And so she gets involved with uh family kind of this this one household that take her in as kind of like oh this little strange wanderer that got lost and kind of bumped her head or something like she starts doing her survey there and there's this one priest that lives nearby and he's very like quiet stoic type dude and oh it's just it it it's lovely and it's so heartbreaking because it's the bubonic plague. Oh no. Oh no. And then in the present day, um, the grad student who was operating the machine slightly duffed it because he wasn't feeling well. He is one of the initial patients in this epidemic that is breaking out across the countryside. And so Kivrin is back in the past, but her team might not necessarily even be available as they get quarantined, as they're ill, like they don't know for certain that they're going to be able to be there for the pickup. So there's all tension, drama, excitement, and it's just, it's so well-written. I'm sure it would be interesting to uh, hop back and forth between those two eras as well, narratively. Yes, yes. And just like the comparison of you know, there is a disease outbreak in both of these timelines and what stays the same across humanity, across decades, across centuries, and like what's different? How do things change? So that one is probably my favorite of this whole lot. It's Doomsday Book by Connie Willis. And I I highly recommend it. I, I was bawling by the end of it and it's so good. Nice. Well, not yes. nice. So, yeah. pour one out for your emotions, but 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, being emotionally attached to people is probably not a good idea in the bubonic <laughs> era, but I don't have a choice, so fuck. Oh, well. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, so th- that that's my reading list. It's kind of a post-apocalyptic, apocalypse, but also pandemic and kind of just the feeling of, okay, everything's falling apart. Now, how does society stay together? Cool. Yeah. The closest I've come to pandemic novels would be zombie novels, but uh, kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. Well, like World War Z is a great one of looking back at this apocalyptic time for humanity and Mm -hmm. how did everyone get through it? Yeah, I will say for World War Z, uh, that's one of my uh, all-time favorite audiobooks uh, to listen oh, yeah? to. I've listened to I've listened to that uh, audiobook multiple times. It's just uh, uh, the 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 style of the book itself is um, what how do you call episodic it episodic almost? Yeah, it's very episodic, and it's a compilation of uh, firsthand accounts uh of the you know the history of the 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 outbreak uh and then how humanity recovered from it or fought against it uh but for every uh for every firsthand account that makes up the the content of the book uh they have a different voice actor and um every I guess what I'm saying is every voice in the book is played off of the interviewers that are putting together this, um, this historical account of the pandemic. And, uh, and it's just a very interesting thing to, to listen to in an audiobook format because you have, it feels like an actual, uh, Interviews. documentary yeah <laughs> yeah like almost like you are getting a podcast of all of the unique mm-hmm. voices telling each of the stories exactly exactly mm-hmm. that one's really good too yeah how about you remy what kind of things were you doing in the past weeks here what did you want to talk about Hmm, what have I been up to? Speaking of zombies, I <laughs> I have continued my journey into uh oh my gosh, it would help if I remember the name of the game. The Last the, of Us. The Last of Us 2. Yeah, yeah. Uh so the last time that we talked, I had only just started The Last of Us 2, the new release of the series, and now I've played a few more hours and the story is coming along. It's still super fun. Uh I've been really enjoying that narrative. Uh I have uh, uh, hey B, remember remember when I said that I was gonna be slow in watching the Umbrella Academy? <laughs> yes. But basically, I got off of our call that Thursday night, and by Friday evening the next day, it was like, oh, oh, it's over. Oh, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> I blinked and I missed it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I got off of talking with you, and then I went. Uh, I I was like, okay, what what do I, what do I, what do I want to do with the rest of my evening? I'm gonna crochet, and and any knitting or crocheting is always like, okay, what what am I gonna put on TV? And then the next thing mm-hmm. I know, it's two in the morning, and I have half a blanket and two episodes left of the Umbrella Academy. So, <laughs> oh my god, that's fantastic! 
<laughs> so I finished that. I got my rewatch down. So I am prepared and ready for the season two release at the end of this month. Only yeah, next week. week. Oh my god! Next I can't believe. week. I can't believe it's come so fast. And and then after Umbrella Academy was done, I was like, okay, so now what's going to be my treadmill show? Because, you know, I just finished Bleach, so finished Bleach. I didn't finish jack shit. <laughs> I got to, like, episode 120 and then decided I was bored with it. So. <laughs> oh, my I'm God. That's quite fair. far. <laughs> it's it's Bleach, man. So, uh, so oh, well, you know, the reason that I started up Umbrella Academy is because I was going to watch it on the treadmill. So what am I going to do now? And I started rewatching one of my other most favorite uh, TV series that I've watched in the past few years. And that's The Newsroom. HBO's The Newsroom. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or if I've ever talked to you about it. But I've, I've heard of it, but I don't think we've ever talked about it. Tell me. What's it's, it about? It is a it, it is American political commentary circa 2011 is what it is. <laughs> it, is it Aaron Sorkin? It is. It's Aaron Sorkin starring uh Jeff Daniels as oh, yes, yes, yes. Will McAvoy, who is the star news anchor of Atlantic World News. Uh Sorry, no wait. The Adla- Atlantic World News Network got to have the whole. Okay. Uh, and as a star anchor, uh, we start off with him uh, uh, having. I mean, honestly, I think that if you, if nothing else from the newsroom, you should watch the, uh, and you can find it on YouTube, the newsroom opening scene. Because let me tell you, it is a hell of a hook. Is it a speech that Daniels gives? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. I, I'm i like, this is ringing bells and I can't place where I heard about it. Because I was like, I don't think I was in university at the time. So like, who would have been talking about it in like a very see this fashion? I can't place it. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, 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 I need to look up when did it come out because the, um, so the structure of the show or the, the, uh, the premise of the show is that we're following Will McAvoy and his senior producer, um, uh, uh Mackenzie McHale and they do the news and, and Will McAvoy is on a mission to civilize and he feels that his, uh, his his show has been suffering because he 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 turned in the last few years into a bit of a people pleaser and he started making compromises on how he was reporting the news he he felt that he became something of a talking head just mm. for the numbers of for the network and and then Mackenzie McHale, his new EP, comes in and basically kicks his ass into gear. You're better than this, and we can do a better news show. We can actually report the news and not just talk about, and, and not just be a yes man to to whatever story or uh, 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 message the network tells us we should be reporting. You know, all this blah, blah, oh, blah. Nice. Yeah, and standing up, personal integrity, etc. Exactly, Don Quixote, a mission to civilize. 
Mm-hmm. Well, well, so I say Don Quixote because uh, uh, Will likens, likens himself to the man who stands up to fight windmills. It's insane, but he's going to make it work. So... <laughs> Uh, uh, so we follow, you know, the show and the senior staff and all of the characters are, are very likable, very, uh, like, I love them, uh, really good characters. And it's a show about reporting the news and the show is saying, we're going to report the news good and better than how, you know, most media, uh, reports the news and doing that they're uh, t- talking about real world american politics so uh so the show itself ran from uh 2012 to 2014 but the first season opens up uh uh somewhere around uh, late 2010 so in 2012 they're talking about real world American politics circa 2010. So, okay. So it's it set is, a couple years back, but trying to be accurate to that time rather than just making shit up. Yes, yes, exactly. So, it, I mean, for me watching it now, and I hadn't watched it, I watched it the first time just a couple of years ago. Um, so it was like, uh, I, I don't want to get like too into it, but it was like Obama's first um, uh, term in office and all of the actual real world world news stories that were coming out around that time. And, um, and even though I, I was young enough not to really be too engaged in politics at the time uh, to, to hear it now, I don't know, just see, it was just really interesting to me. Like, oh, I remember when this happened. I remember, uh, I remember this story, but now I get to, you know, engage my 28 year old self in, in politics that was, uh, that was, you know, you know, breaking when I was 14. I think I aged. I'm sorry. I think I fudged those those uh, years a little bit. I don't know how old I was when in 2010. Yeah, that was a substantial fudging there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, let me say 2010. Okay, fine, fine, fine. I was uh, uh, 18, 17. Something around there. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay, now you don't have to. Feel I was like, so you old. do not go ten years in the past and lose fourteen years. It's yeah, just not exactly. Probable. <laughs> I, 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 I did a quick mental calculation, and you know how I am at quick mental calculations. Yeah, a slight wing it attitude towards it. Let me let me just point back to when <laughs> I tried to add four years to eighty three and ended up with eighty eight. So. Well, you know, if it's near the end of the year, it kind of changes the numbers. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So I I am it's been a week and I am uh uh already wrap I just wrapped up season 2 of the three season show. So I've been tearing through that so much for a tre- I and, and believe me, it's not all been on the treadmill. As much mm-hmm. as I wish it was, uh, w- uh, but that blanket's coming along, yeah. 
It'll be done before you realize it. <laughs> or oversized before you realize it. <laughs> uh, oversized, yes. Yes. Mm. So that's just what, what I've been watching this week, yeah. When it comes to video games, um, I actually played Oxen Free last week for the first time. I went into it blind, like having no idea what this game was about. And it turned out to be so good. It was such an emotional ringer and just beautiful graphics, beautiful music, beautiful storyline. And that was from that racial equality and justice bundle from IO. Mm -hmm. So if you got that bundle, then you have that game. I do have that bundle. Oxenfree as in Ollie Ollie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll add it to the list. Nice. Yes. It's a, quite a simple game. It's basically a narrative that you're pick and choosing your own adventure. Mm-hmm. But there are some certain game mechanics that I found really unique and really refreshing. And you get to kind of choose your own ending by the mm-hmm. playthrough. So I recommend it's worth it for the storyline alone. Did did you conquer the sports bar and grill from... Um... I'm pretty close. I think I have two <laughs> more plate left. I have gotten really far. I still have about five more restaurants to finish. But I was like, I can't just keep saying every week. And I've been playing Cook, Serve, Delicious too. <laughs> I need to say I've played something else. It still sounds fake. Cook, Serve, Delicious too. Sounds mm-hmm. fake. <laughs> It's so fun. Nice. Love it. All right. I'll put... Oh, and I had a new podcast recommendation for you, too. Yes, please do tell. Um, It's kind of a spooky one, so I was right away like, Remy needs to know about this. Gimme, give gimme. Give it's called Radio Rental, and it is hosted by Rain Wilson, who is Dwight from The Office. Uh-huh. So it, his voice kind of sends me. But um, every week is two people telling a real story that happened to them. And it's like the strange and unusual type genre that you're following. And some of them are like survivor stories. And like there was one I was just like, this is the perfect story of just building dread. I just, oh, oh, it's good. So I think you should listen to it. So it's it's episodic? Yes. And it's like six or seven episodes, and then they take a little break, and then six or seven episodes. So it's very small backlog at the moment, but I'm excited for it to continue. Give it to me. Yes. yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you, V. Mm-hmm. I hold really it. Good. I hold it to my bosom. And like... He basically is your host, but he's pretending to be, like, a dude who owns a blockbuster in the present day and age. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And, like, just his deadpan delivery and the shit that he's saying is just so stupid sometimes. It's so good. Like, it's really funny. And then those stories creep you out. And I'm like, I love this. I love it so much. Nice. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm good shit and i didn't know do you like kind of fucked up movies i i am down to clown with kind of fucked up movies okay because i definitely clowned over the weekend with one called vivarium i don't know if you've heard of it i certainly didn't until i watched it 
but it has Imogen Poots and Jesse Eisenberg playing a couple that they like go house shopping in London or wherever. England is just London. I'll have you guys know that. That's a fun geography fact. <laughs> but they go house shopping and like the realtor is really fucking weird and brings them to the street where all the houses look the same and the inside is all like painted green. And they're like, this is really fucking weird. And they're checking out the backyard. And then when they come back inside, the realtor is gone. <laughs> they get in their car. They try to leave and they are stuck in the suburbs. They cannot escape. And it is just fucking bizarro world. Like, you would not believe. I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but like for just what the fuck uh -huh. It was a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Varium. Vivarium. Vivarium. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then there's a small child that you'll want to stop screaming because the screaming is just, it should not be a communication stop, but it is. <laughs> ah, ah. Okay. I watched it and I was like, I am not a parent. I cannot be a parent, let alone to that thing. I I already have the trailer pulled up on YouTube. That this Oh that's my god, how, yes. That's how down the clown I am. Fuck yes. <laughs> if you watch it, let me know what you think because I'm not even sure what I think. <laughs> <laughs> that that'll be in my next uh two AM blanket. Mm. No. <laughs> I'm well I was like I wouldn't wash it past midnight. I feel like it has gremlin rules to it or something <laughs> <laughs> well i think guys that we have um filled your plates for this week what do you think b i i could keep going but i do agree <laughs> that that's probably a quite satiated link that we have going on right now <laughs> we got we gotta say well we gotta say some for next week yeah, we're not that active, busy lives. We should be pretending like <laughs> holding back a little bit. <laughs> we should be pretending like I didn't watch ten hours of television in, in a night and a day. in ten hours time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> no worries. It's a, uh, it's it's this, it's twenty twenty, man. <laughs> Who fucking <And> cares? <laughs> And 2020 continues when we join you guys next week for next week on yes. NCFM. <laughs> the next quarantini. Our next quarantini. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. I, we hope you enjoyed yourselves, and we'll see you then. Bye. Yes, bye. Bye. Bye.